Welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner. I'm the producer of the show, and we're celebrating today the end of season two. We're about to hit season three, but we wanted to give you a best of series with season two and wanted to thank you for making Typology such a huge success with now well over 6 million downloads. So a big thank you to all of you who have helped to make that happen. Today, we've got Aaron Nequist on the show and we are covering subtypes. If you're not familiar with subtypes, it is such a huge component of understanding yourself and understanding the Enneagram. So this is a big, big treat. Let me tell you a little bit about Aaron. Aaron has served as a leader in some of the more influential churches in the country. In 2014, he launched a neo-liturgical, ecumenical, practice-based service at Willow Creek in Chicago. He also created a series of liturgical recordings called A New Liturgy to help people create holy space wherever they find themselves. He is the author of The Eternal Current, How a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning, and he continues to create resources to help us all flesh it out. Now, of course, his wife is best-selling author, Shauna Nequist, and they live in Chicago with their two children. Ian will get into more of that, I'm sure. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. I hope you enjoyed this best of season two on subtypes with our guest, Aaron Nequist, and our host, Ian Cron. Hey, Typology Tribe, Ian Cron here. It's been an exciting journey, and I'm excited today to have with me a uh, a really great friend who I've known for many years, uh, Aaron Nequist, who's a four on the Enneagram. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, we're, we're, we're going to explore some odd territory today. We're going to go some places that uh, are going to be great for every single number to know and, and, and learn about. So, uh, you know, with two fours on the line, I need to say that because otherwise everyone will just assume that all we're going to do is kind of go to Eeyore and, you know, kind of just talk about ourselves for a long time. I'll wait till later to do that. Aaron, for those of you who don't know him, has uh, served as a leader at really some of the most influential churches in the country. I first met you. You had just left Mars Hill. Yeah. You were, yep. you were how long have you been married to Shauna by that point? Well, um, oh, at that point, maybe about 10 years. Oh, okay. But do you remember where we had our first Enneagram conversation? Do you remember what town? No. Capernaum. You're kidding. <laughs> the sea of Galilee. No, 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 really. <laughs> so we're like on this trip, and I'm wandering around. I don't know a soul on this group. It's my first time I, in the Middle I, East. Oh, my gosh. We're wandering down. It was 200 degrees, and we were looking at, you know, there's the this, this there's Peter's house and whatever, and you and I got into a conversation about the Enneagram. It's probably... 2010 or something like that. That's crazy. But isn't that crazy? So that was your and my first conversation, and you were one of the few people that I had ever met who even knew about the Enneagram. Really? Oh, yeah, and you had known about it for years, obviously, and so that was, I just remember walking, talking about both realizing we're fours with some three-wing, and you know. Right. So, yeah. Wow. Long time ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, like I said, you you have been a, a leader at a, a bunch of really great churches um, and now you have a new book out called The Eternal Curse. Has it dropped yet? Yes. Just came out this last week, August 7th. Uh, super excited. So this is the week. This is the week. Oh my gosh. So, I have you on the week of your book release. The wow. week. 
Awesome. So the eternal current, how a practice-based faith can save us from drowning. So you got to explain the book because that's <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's all the things that Ian Cron has taught me over the years. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a list of, oh. then he taught me this, then he taught me. No. What's funny is you're actually in the book a bunch of times, but it's maybe slightly more than that too. Basically, it's it's my journey about my faith falling apart. Mm -hmm. And then two different pathways kind of got me back connected. One is moving from a from a beliefs-based faith mm -hmm. to a practice-based. Yep. So I grew up thinking, basically, Jesus wants you to believe four or five facts and then say a prayer about those and you're good. You know, Two, the invitation is participation, to join with what God is doing in the world and in me. So it was like beliefs-based to practice-based. And then from thinking my tradition was the whole story, you know, and everyone else had none of the truth in our little tribe at all the truth to realizing that we were just one tiny sliver of this whole story. Mm -hmm. And so, so much of the last couple of years and so much of the book is what we've learned from different people of faith, uh, specifically in this book, ecumenical. So different Christians who are uh, learning to kind of swim in this current. Mm. So. You, yeah. you know, over the last five or six years, I've done, I think I've shared this with you before, a, just a ton of reading um, about Tibetan Buddhism. And, yeah. and uh, because I'm partially curious as to its allure in the West, uh, which is increasing. Mm -hmm. And um, and also because they oftentimes explain things that are in our tradition, but they, they actually describe them in ways that I think uh, they do a better job than we do. You know, like, like if yeah. you really want to understand yep. compassion, I would really suggest, I mean, I could name lots of, you know, people of the Christian tradition that, that can talk about it very well, but I've never heard anyone talk about it better than the Buddhists. So anyway, uh, yeah. and they are, I think part of the allure of Buddhism is it is a profoundly practice-based a practice, yes. Science Absolutely. or philosophy, religion yeah. for some, but mostly a yeah. philosophy. Yeah. Um, because I think people uh, realize that to get something into the bones and blood, to experience real transformation, requires um, mediums, ways to, to integrate yeah. things yeah. that you believe in your mind into your heart and into your body. Into your actual body. In the book, I use this kind of silly analogy, but it was like, imagine if you're trying to run a marathon and you go to the, the local fitness center and they say, oh, wonderful. Come back to the back room. We have an expert who's going to give a lecture. Maybe a U2 cover band is going to play some music. And, like, <laughs> and you'd be like, this is helpful. This is inspiring. Like I'm learning yep. some things. But then they say, come back next week and we'll do it again. And like, you're like, I'm getting no closer to actually being the kind of person who can run a marathon because no one's helping me in my actual body. Mm. So that's some of the heart of uh, the book and just this invitation into participation. Okay, so in, for the sake of transparency, I have actually read the yeah. book. So in asking it's you true. what it was about to describe it, I, I was setting you up to talk <laughs> about it, which was better than if I were. And I just have to commend it to everybody. It's a, it's a terrific mm. book, and it's a timely, important book. Um, you know, uh, for a long time, I felt very yeah. deeply that uh, the church uh, needed uh, to kind of shed its anxiety uh, about learning uh, from people 
more widely, you know, opening its mind mm. and its heart to a broader, yeah. broader sources of, of sure. thought sure. And, and practice that could really help them, yeah. you know. Thanks, man. And can I be totally transparent? You were one of the people I was most nervous to read it. Really? And not because you haven't been kind and encouraging through the years, but like... Because I haven't. Been so- <laughs> but in addition to the fact that you haven't been kind uh, throughout the years, no, um, you've been swimming in these streams a long time. And in fact, a number of things, uh, a number of stream- of themes actually started in conversation with you through the years. Mm. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, so we could go back. So that means a lot that you would that you would at least say it's not terrible. Well, <laughs> you know, I it is a wonderful book. You should be very proud, and I just encourage mm. everybody to get Thanks. a copy of the Eternal Current: a pr- How a Practice Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning. So that because uh, it it I tr- trust me, it will really help you. Maybe find um, what you didn't even know you needed. And that, yeah. that's when a book really hits a home run for me, you know? Yeah. Well, so many of the people that I'm meeting and I have experienced is we, we get to this point where our faith just doesn't seem to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like for me, it just felt like it ran out of gas. Like the, the air conditioner was running, blowing warm air. Like it just, it didn't work anymore. And it, so many of us feel like we have one of two options, which is either... I guess just double down on what hasn't worked for a long time. And a lot of really good people, for a number of reasons, do that. Mm-hmm. Or jump ship from everything pertaining to faith or Jesus or the Beatitudes or like jump ship from the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing I could say with this book, it's those are terrible options. Yeah. Those, and they're not the only ones. No. We don't have to either sell out or, or jump ship. Nope. Um, there is a third way. There's probably many, many, many third ways. So I hope this is totally, a little bit of that. Totally. Well, I'm I'm eager for that to get that book to get into people's hands and uh, for them to to hear about it from someone who is, you know, lived it, not just you know hmm. speaking about it in some sure. you know, theoretical abstract way. You know, and so that's that's exciting. All right. So yeah. thanks, man. Um, years ago when we first spoke about the Enneagram and. You know, you, we had this wonderful epiphany that we were both fours, uh, <laughs> and you know that we shared a, a common wing. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about subtypes? Because, like, what sub what subtype are you? No, we didn't. And this is I. How can I be a guest in your show? I don't know what subtypes types are. Yeah. Or what mine is. Are you kidding me? So that is this is confession time. Um, yeah. That's part of a practice-based faith. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, am I kicked off? No. Like should mm-mm. we just no. shut this thing down? No, I'm okay. I'm a priest, so I can actually take your confession. <laughs> I can hear Father, it. Father, please I, forgive me. Right. Yes. How long has it been since your last confession? Oh, <laughs> you, you don't want to know. <laughs> All right. Well, this might be interesting because yeah. um everybody, I get so many questions about subtypes. Everybody goes, "Please say more about subtypes. Please say more about subtypes." And it's a great question. Um actually, yeah. because there are multiple variations of type. So you mm-hmm. have pure type, right? Like just the type. Then you have a type along with a wing. Well, now you've got a type plus another version of that type. Right. right. Now, uh, and then you have a stress point and you have a security point. Well, now now there are two more variations of that type, right? And I think yeah. what happens with each variation is you get another degree of clarity 
about the nature of the type itself. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah. like it's different flavors and expressions, right? One of the most important next steps a person can take after they know all that stuff, those are the basics, is to go and learn their subtype. If you are somebody who, like, for example, who can't figure out your type, I would take you to what are called instincts and subtypes because, you know, that's another way of kind of getting at type. All right. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to start with instincts um, per se. I'm just going to talk about the different subtypes. All right. Okay. They are based on three different human instincts. Right. One is. The uh, instinct for self-preservation, right? These are basic survival instincts. So self-preservation is, how do I keep me alive? That's my number one thing I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about, right? The second one is a social um, instinct, right? Which is, okay, I need my herd to survive. I need to be part of a herd. So what do I got to do to get the herd to protect me? And where am I in the herd? Am I limping in the way back? Am I about to get picked off? You know, because, you know, it's not good. You know, if you don't have a herd, that's how you kind of like stay safe. The third instinct is the sexual or the bonding or or the one-on-one. Just depends on who you are, what you call that third one. And that's really the whole, obviously, uh, <laughs> instinct for the continuance of your line, right? The Like the mm. continuance of mm. the species is also part of, you know, one of those three instincts, right? And all three of those, uh, we all have all three, but we tend to have one that's dominant. Yeah. And then one that is repressed and then one in the middle. So you think of it like a cake, right? Like okay. a three-layered yep. cake. Yep. Now, yep. I will say this about instincts before I move on to the subtype. Like, you can learn the instincts apart from subtypes, apart from the Enneagram, and get a tremendous amount out of them, okay? I mean, just, just by okay. knowing those, th- those yeah. three instincts, because, or okay. where you are dominant, repressed in those instincts, because um, it explains in many ways uh, why it is that you get along with some people and why you don't get along with others, why you and your spouse may have more conflicts around similar themes, because you may have yep. two different instincts that are dominant at, at that time. Yeah. Right? Now, yep. you always yep. have all three, but man, one is repressed, yeah. one yeah. is dominant. Yeah. Right? So yeah. just based on what I just told you, of those three instincts, which do you think is more, and I'll dive down into more detail about them in a second, but yeah. of those three, what sounds like would be dominant and repressed for you? Yeah, well, I would say... I lean towards one or three, not not the herd one. Okay. That the, the, not the social one. Okay. Um, but that the the self protection or it's it's always weird to talk about the sexual one because I know it means more than just you know yeah. what that well often means. Okay. Well, but, let's actually probe. Let's yeah. actually like sort of like yeah tease. push in it. A yeah, bit. because yeah. it it's um the 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 names of them uh, are not nearly as broadly described, you know, as what they really are. So if you're a self, okay, okay let me just say this. If you are a social subtype, right? Yeah. Of any yeah. number, okay? Yeah. Um, then you have a really strong desire uh, to win the approval or to be liked uh, and to feel safe in the company of other people, right? Sure. So, yeah. um, People who have a dominant 
social instinct are, like, how do I say this? They're focused on, on being accepted and necessary. Yeah. Okay? Accepted yeah. and necessary. Uh, maintaining uh, the sense of self that they get by being part of the group. Um, yeah. So uh, this is kind of Riso and Hudson-ish, but let's just imagine that a, a, a social subtype, when they walk in a room, right? Let's say they walk into a party. Um, they would be immediately aware of like the power structure in the room, what, right, whether right. they're being accepted or integrated or not. Right. They are attuned to the idea of who am I relative to others. And they, of all the subtypes, want to know more about what's going on in the world, right, than anybody else, right? They, they need to yeah. touch base with people, uh, to yeah. feel alive and, and excited and, and part of life, right? So yep. they are all about interacting with people and because that will build not only personal value, but safety and take care of them in, in, the, the, in yep. the group, okay? So that's the yep. social kind of instinct. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. Okay, yep. so... If you are a person that is, let's say, a, a sexual subtype, right? So now yep. I'm, I'm sort of bleeding those two words together, and that's fine for now. These are people who are all about one-on-one relationships. Yeah. Okay? They are, like, constantly searching for a connection, and they love, they are very attracted to intense experiences, right? So to draw a correlate, it's almost like, Sex, right? They're, they're, it's almost the mm-hmm. same thing. It's like, all right, so yeah. let me give you an idea of this. My wife is a, a sexual nine, okay? Okay. Now, you've met Annie. She is the most yep. laid-back person, easygoing, yep. everything. But I, got, yep. but I have to say, like, go skiing with her. Like, we went to Jackson Hole one time, and now she grew up on ski, on ski mountains, you know, growing up as a kid. She went off of, like, she went down runs that didn't exist off the top of Jackson Hole. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep, yep. We, I think I've told this story before, but we were in Zimbabwe, I think, uh, on the Vic Falls Bridge, right? And I yeah. was talking to a group of people, and I turn around, and she is strapping herself into a bungee cord to go off the Vic Falls Bridge, which, I mean, is insane. And we have three yeah. kids at home, little kids. And I'm like, I'm running down the bridge going, no, don't do don't it. Don't do it. I'm going to like, I'm Nicolas Cage from Raising Arizona. Don't leave them with me, you know? Yep. And so for her, it's the intense experience. Totally. Like, and they are all yeah. about connections with others. So if they show up at a party, they're yeah. going to find one person that's really interesting. They're going to scope out yeah. the most interesting person in the yeah. room and sit with them. Yeah. And they'll spend yeah. the whole time connecting yep. with with that person yeah uh yep. so like that's the big deal now if you were yep. a self-preservation type right you'd be walking in the room thinking hey what's the temperature in here <laughs> i'm not feeling very comfortable yeah. but where sure where's the food yep <laughs> <You know>? yeah <laughs> is there a fire extinguisher somewhere yeah. just in well, case then, yeah okay yeah. so that's more six but they would be they're well, just yeah. they're just more focused on uh matters having to do with their own survival. So like an, I'm a okay. I'm a self-preservation for. And it, so okay. watch how this part works out with instincts and subtypes. Yeah. Before I knew about subtypes, I could never understand why Anne was not as concerned about maintenance on the house. Yeah. The aesthetics of the house. Okay, so I'm yep. a four and a, yep. you know. Yep. Uh, why <laughs> she wasn't as concerned about keeping things in order. You yeah. know, like I, you know, yep. 
And she couldn't understand why I wasn't as concerned as she was about our one-on-one relationship. That's so, oh man. Yep. Okay. Yep. So now that you- This is easy. This is clear. Crystal clear. All right. What, what, which of those- Oh you... man. Um, I would be a sexual four. Right. It's all about the connection. When you talk about a party, finding one person- who's really fascinating and going deep for an hour. That is me all day long. <laughs> well, and Shauna and is a seven. Shauna is the opposite. She doesn't want to get trapped by any one person. She wants to meet everybody. She, and she has that, the self-preservation thing too. She's aware of the room and oh. um, she's really great okay, at that so, too. All right, so, so we're this pretty is, opposite all right, on these So ways. we have similar yeah. experiences. Now, if you were, yeah. if you were a social four, yeah, as she is, you would have far fewer conflicts. Yeah, that's right. That's because right. Because those but, instincts represent values. Yeah, yeah. But isn't the social value, at least on the surface, a little bit in contrast to the fours basic? You know, how can I be? Um, how can I be worried about how I'm fitting in? Because as a four, I'm always trying to not fit in. You know, well, or is that just the awareness? Well, we can go through. The, we'll go through the subtypes of different yeah. fours. Oh, okay. And the reason okay. I say this is important is because, and it's, this is yeah. great for everybody. Just knowing those three instincts. Yeah. Now, before we do that, which of those do you think is repressed? Like, what is just the one that you least are? Like, I mean, it's, you still have it. It's just in the hierarchy of oh, instincts yeah. would be the third one. If, if I, <laughs> if it's Shauna's birthday, yeah, or, or it's our our twentieth anniversary, yeah. okay. Let's just say that's coming up in, a, in like two years, our 20th anniversary. I would love some sort of romantic, her and I go to Rome, just her and I for three days. Okay. Right. She just wants me to find all the burned out light bulbs in the house <laughs> and replace them. <laughs> that's all she wants. That is a, that's all she wants. Okay. That is yes. awesome. Because that would communicate love to her yes. more than a billion roses. Absolutely. And you see how like just knowing the instinct stack apart from the Enneagram yes. Yes. is yes. so helpful yes. because then people, so it's, when, a, it's a lights on moment. Yeah. So when we're, when we were newly married and she didn't want to connect with me yet again at some soul level, like we just had the conversation yesterday, but I want to do it again. I would feel like she doesn't care about me. Yes. She, she doesn't want to connect with me. She doesn't want, you know. And she's not even reading that. She's, you know, so anyways. Yeah. It's just not, so it's important. just not at the, it's not at the top of her hierarchy. So yeah, part of the reason knowing instincts is great, just in general, is that you begin to understand that, oh, it's not that. It's not that she doesn't love it. It's just that yeah. it's not natural to her. Yep. And it's, yep. and instincts are very deeply embedded, right? At the yeah. deepest level. Yeah. So yep. when you know it, again, self-knowledge, you can begin to make corrections to accommodate the realities yep. of your of your partner or or just yep. to understand yourself and why yep. you ten, your attention naturally gravitates towards yep. certain things right yeah. so for me as a self-preservation type and Annie as a sexual type i have to learn to say forget the bills let's just have dinner tonight and talk yeah uh, that's so good you know? yep and i have to say instead for the first part of our date tonight Let's have that conversation about the four or five things that need to be fixed up in the house. Because I know you've mentioned those and I've kind of brushed them off. Let's talk about right. it. Let's make a list. Let's do it. Yep. And that, what's funny is I resist that so deeply because it feels 
anti-human connection. But anytime I can, you know, stumble into that direction right. and realize it's total human connection. It's it's loving my wife, who I love more than anyone, in a way that she can feel it. Totally. So, so yeah. for me, the part of the work of transformation isn't just knowing my type or my wing or this. It's a, it, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's terribly important. It's also sure. about knowing the finer distinctions of my type. So the more yeah. I know about it, the clearer yep. it gets, right? And the yes. more, more yes. the work becomes clear to me. So I know, yep. I know, for example, well, I have to really work at that one-on-one -on -one thing to meet Annie where she lives. And she knows, hey, don't leave yeah. mail all over the table. Don't do this. Because for me, the house is kind of a, a sacred space, you know? It's yeah. like yeah. my instincts are all about that space. Uh, yeah. and home uh, I'm all about like like I'm I'm the one who worries about life insurance I'm yeah. the one who worries about my kids safety more like yeah. or their physical yep. safety Annie would let my kids do anything <laughs> seriously like she would let yep. them yep. you know you know oh you want to climb the flagpole at the Empire State Building great go ahead and do it every kid go should do it. it yeah I mean <laughs> go see how see how hard, hard the wind's blowing up there and I would be like you know I'm like Woody Allen yep. the, the, the consummate Jewish father <laughs> running around underneath like like when they were playing in their crib I got nervous you know right right so right, right. all right so so yep. just knowing those instincts that is fascinating. isn't that cool yes like oh, so yeah. important so, good. so important and yep. now and of course in a perfect world you would learn to bring them into balance yeah you know yep. learn to bring them all into balance with with self-awareness and just be aware of when because because there are when you're you can be healthy and kind of unhealthy around subtypes and instincts yeah and when one yeah go ahead one observation is when shauna and i have got into the most trouble with this is when we felt a scarcity yes like there can only be either sexual energy or self-preservation energy. Like it's only one or the other. So who wins? Mm. Which nothing is like yeah. that, right? No. And so as we can integrate it in ourselves and then integrate it together, yep. that feels like it opens up all these possibilities. Yep. No, totally. And the thing is, is, um, you know, remember, like I said earlier, these instincts are so deeply encoded. And if you're yeah. unaware of them, they are drivers. Yep. So yes. that is all you're thinking. It's either this or nothing. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's you right. Know? Well, and you even said they're they're not just instincts; they're values. They can yes, they're they like have values. The core. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they form so. values. Like what's most important in life, and why don't you yeah. see that oh, guy yeah. do that? This is the most important area of life that matters. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, they all matter. We have all three. I'm not going to go too much further into the instincts, but I want to tell you how subtypes come out of instincts. Okay. So when your instinct meets the deadly sin or passion of your type. Okay. And I'm not going to go into all the details of it, uh, the mechanics of it. It uh, creates like three different subtypes within your type. Okay? Okay. So if your instinct is, you know, self-preservation, social, when you're, when, when envy hits it as a four, it, you know, yeah. it, whichever, so for example, if you don't know your type and I just described to you those three instincts, yeah. And you said, you know, um, I, I really connect with uh, this one. Then I would go to the type that you thought you were and read you that, yeah. read you that subtype. Okay. 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 So, all right. Now, before we go to that, because I'm going to describe all three of the fours subtypes. Okay. And here's why. Fours and sixes. The difference between those three subtypes is so dramatic 
that they might as well be three different numbers. Fascinating. If, wow. yes, I mean, seriously, okay. the rest of the numbers- But just with fours and sixes? Just fours and sixes. Now, huh. because of the other types, it's more nuanced and shaded okay. differences, okay. right? Yep. But with these yep. three, it's stark, really stark. Fascinating. Okay. All right, hit me. All right, so let me just kind of, you think you're a self-pres four, right? No, no, no. Sexual. Oh, okay. And you think Shauna is a self-pres? Yes. All right. So let me just talk about self-preservation force. This is what happens when the self-preservation instinct slams into the deadly sin of envy. This is for force, not for the other types. Um, And what it does is it produces a self-preservation four, right? All right. So in this type, envy is far less apparent in the self-preservation four. That's me. I'm a self-pres four. Okay. Okay. Um, we experience envy like other people, other fours, but it's not as apparent to other people. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, instead of being the one uh, or being someone who has a need to suffer, because, you know, fours have a need to suffer. Like we're so oh, addicted yeah. to our suffering. Are you addicted to your suffering? Of course. Yeah. Makes life worth living. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of delicious, isn't it? <laughs> to, to spend the afternoon thinking about all the ways your childhood was a disappointment. <laughs> okay, so for, for, for self-press force, uh, rather than this sort of, uh, n- you know, our envy expressing itself as uh, a need to suffer, we're more long-suffering. So in mm. other words, we're, we, we tend to be quiet and suffer, you know, in the background. And what we're hoping okay. is, is that people will... Um, notice that yep. we're long suffering, silent suffering people, long endure people who can endure suffering a long time, and yep. and be and admire it and love us and accept us because we're long suffering people. You know. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. And so it's a you know that's a uh, like a like a you know a pretty amazing thing to know uh, about it because oftentimes self-pressed fours look like threes or sevens yeah and you know what if i yeah. take an enneagram test including my own uh I, I come out as a seven a lot of the times interesting yeah wow yeah yep. or a three so the self-pressed four can be a real workhorse they're long suffering they work really mm-hmm. hard and it's also to compensate for that 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 feeling like you know I'm missing something, so I got to work really hard, not sit around right. and talk about it. Yep. I have one of my best friends is exactly how you're describing, and you know him, so I won't mention his name, but I got I have a person in mind that is so clear. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the other two subtypes are overly sensitive to feeling frustrated. They either suffer too much or as you find out in it, they're going to make you suffer too much, right? Uh-huh. In wow. order to compensate for their suffering. But a self-pres yep. is yep. what's called the countertype. Every single number has a, has one of three subtypes as their dominant one. And one of those three is called the countertype, which means okay. it really doesn't look anything like what you'd expect. It looks like it's going right. exactly in the opposite direction of the passion. Yep. Of, yep. The, of the deadly right. sin. Um, in the way that we do it, instead of talking about suffering or complaining, uh, or we don't complain as a way to earn love. Right. We just don't do that. Uh, we yeah. we keep it to ourselves. So that's a self-press four, right? Yep, okay. All right, now, if you were a social four, that's kind of like the classic, that's what most people hear when they're teaching, right? Okay. That type is more out there with its envy. Its envy is more apparent 
to other people. And it's um, also, they're more dramatic openly. Um, okay. You know, they're, they're, they're really the sort of the quintessential four. Like what, what you sure. think of when you think of fours. Yep. Envy yep. expresses itself in the need to kind of win people's love and belonging by having the suffering right out there. Sure. Just putting and the yep. envy right out there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. And that, of course, you know, you know, is not a not not always a winning strategy. You know, <laughs> to to win friends and influence people. <laughs> yeah. They're very they're oversensitive. Yeah. Their envy fuels a focus on shame and suffering. You know, this is for fours. Yeah. And uh, again, all of this to say, like, do you see how different these types are? Oh, dramatic! Yeah, dramatically. Right. Different. It's it's yeah. it's pretty amazing. Now, let me just tell you about sexual force. Okay. Because this may hurt a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm already worried. Are you worried? I'm bracing myself. Okay, good. So for us, <laughs> the sexual four isn't as concerned about like I'm going to hide suffering. Yeah. The social four is going to put that suffering right out there. Uh, everyone's yeah. going to see it. I'm going to hide my envy, right, and yeah. just work to attain what others have to fill my missing yeah. piece. The social for the work of the envy is pretty clear on the outside. Okay. So if the self-pres is long-suffering and the social type is, you know, got their suffering right out there for all to see, sexual ones tend to make other people suffer mm. when they're yeah. unhealthy, right? Yeah. So yeah. your inner motivation obviously is envy and the way it manifests itself is in competition. Hmm. Sexual yeah. ones are pretty competitive. Uh, they don't feel envious of other people. How do I want to say this? They, they don't feel envious so much as they feel competitive as a way of quieting the pain associated with envy. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right? And yeah. when they get mad, they express really envious anger. Yeah. Well, what does that does that signal anything for you or? Well, I hate this conversation, and I think we should change the subject. <laughs> okay. No, no, that, that, that resonates. I've never been, you know, at first when we started talking, you know, about four, many years ago, I was like, well, I'm not like the purple hair mohawk person who needs to stand out, right. you know. But there is a much more inward, deeper thing going on that resonates right. with, with some of what you're saying. So if you, yeah. if you were an unhealthy sexual four, yeah. Right? Um, think about the way Mariah, Mariah Carey treats her personal assistants when you read it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not good. So what, what, what happens is um, because they feel like they've been made to suffer in life, they need yeah. some sort of compensation for it. Uh, and, huh. and they project their own deficiencies onto others and then beat okay. it up. Yep. Yep. And then beat it up. Yep. So I was That's actually good. curious that you were, I was going to guess you were a self-pressed for actually, but yeah. it does make total sense to me given the conversations we've had over the years about stuff yeah. that you, you, you yep. would be. Yep. Um, yep. So actually, here's a revelation for some people. Everyone thinks that the, maybe the meanest number potentially on the Enneagram, if it was unhealthy, would be what? An eight. No. Really? No, it's a sexual four. Sexual four. Potentially the meanest number. Can be the cruelest number cruelest yeah because we project our misery on the person closest well, to us well yes but and also we project what we perceive to be our own deficiencies the missing piece we have we throw it on somebody Ooh. else yeah yeah, right? yeah we yeah, project yeah. all that stuff onto someone else and then we go and then we pound it 
Yeah. We pounded in them, right? Um, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, not, well, I was going to say, not to go too deep into this. Can we go deep sure, into this? Not? One of the things that has become so central to kind of my spirituality and faith and almost everything is forgiveness. Mm. And not that I do it well, but just everywhere I look, it seems to be not just the most important thing, but the only thing. Mm. And I wonder if it's connected to some of this, that I, that I feel so deeply both the need to uh, project and point out what's wrong and then crush it, but then also such a deep need to be free from that need. Mm-hmm. And it seems like forgiveness would be the only way. Again, right. not that I'm doing it well, but I, I just keep coming back to it in everything. Yep. What does that make you think? Well, I think the work of forgiveness is for everybody. And I think it's, but sure. I think the, knowing the Enneagram or some other system like it, it brings clarity as to where the rub is. It's like, oh, because, you know, otherwise it could just be like, well, I need to practice forgiveness. You know, it's like, well, okay, yeah. but can you be more specific? Like, could you give me some yeah, hints sure. as to where sure. in my life, as my particular type of person, like, where should I focus my energies? Yeah. So you get that self-knowledge yeah. and you, you know, you learn, okay, well, this is how I have to, you know, sort of, this is the place I want forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness to leak in yep. to who I am. Wow. wow. Right, so to close out on, on one-to-one subtypes for fours or the sexual subtype, as it's also called, uh, they tend to act shameless rather than shameful. Huh. If that makes sense. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about it? Well, um, sometimes this subtype, if it's unhealthy, can be overly demanding of other people. Okay. Um, yep. They can, uh, you know, get into relationship troubles because they, they can be, you know, if they're in a bad space, man, they know your soft spot, they'll hit it. Uh, okay. Yeah. They so you have a lot of unstable relationships sometimes around un- unhealthy for more more than the other two, uh, if that's possible. Um, <laughs> uh, and they love intensity. So when they're yeah. in relationship with somebody, they are they love in- intensity even more than the other two fours do. Yeah. They just oh they want to be on fire with one other person, man. Yeah. They just want to. Yep. They want that flame to burn so dang bright. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, when it does, it often burns the other person to a crisp. Yeah. Wow. I kind of hope Shauna never listens to this episode. Oh, okay, let's go to sevens because, you know, I don't want to just focus on fours. I promise people this would be for Well, everybody. no, I mean, it's let's so, go to sevens. you're naming Hold some on a second. Let's go to sevens for deep a tendencies. I'm going to okay. go to sevens. You think she's a, a self-pressed seven? Big time. We used to think she was seven with an eight. Right. And in the last five years or so, the six wing is so pronounced. Right. Which feels very self-preservation. Yeah, yeah. All right. They, they could get. You could sort of see the mingling of the two. Of course, wings and subtypes yeah. are separate and they're different. Uh, of course. But, yep. All right. So their name, by the way, each of these types have a kind of a sub name, right? Is the keepers of the castle. That's wow. the self-preservation seven, right? Interesting. Um, so remember, gluttony is their deadly sin. When yep. the instinct yep. for self-preservation slams into that, they express gluttony like. Uh, uh, like Beatrice Chestnut would say, like through making alliances. Um, oh, interesting. They they huh. uh, they collect around them a kind of f- like a family network of people. They band people yep. together. They create a circle the wagons. Totally. They create kind of a uh, like she like Beatrice called it a mafia. You know what I mean? They they've got their posse. You know? Yes. Well, why not? It's the herd. Yes. It's the herd. 
They care about the yeah. herd, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and then uh, I don't know what I was about to say about them. They're very practical. They're getting. They're good at getting what they want, uh, and getting great deals. <laughs> they they, they okay. can be a little opportunistic, pragmatic, self interested, calculating sometimes. But man, nobody networks like a, a self pres seven. Because remember, they're trying to get people yep. alliances, people on their side, yep. because yep. that social realm is where they feel like they're going to be kept safe. Oh, that is fascinating. Yes. Yes. Right? So these are cheerful. They're talkative, amiable, like most sevens. Yep. They're people who love pleasure. They are earthy. I don't know how else to describe these sevens. Uh but yeah. what they have to work on, again, is like all sevens towards sobriety and, and letting go of their fixation on, on self-preservation and survival for themselves. Huh. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're fabulous and they're healthy. All of us are, right? Yeah. But for the two of yeah. but for the There is no one better than a, a healthy seven at a party or anywhere. Yeah. Yep. They make every room better, every moment better. Yeah. So anyway, so go ahead. what happens when uh, self-pressed seven is trying to circle the wagons to feel safe, to feel this security, and she is married to a four who's trying to deconstruct every wagon and show why they are ultimately not worth trusting? <laughs> because, <laughs> because you should only be interested in me. Well, in our relationship, well, right? I mean, that, I, I hope I hope that's not the case. Well, but, it would be natural. Uh, that might be a factor. It would be natural, yeah. right, for yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a sexual four to think that way, a sexual subtype to think yeah. that, because it's like, no, it's just about you and I. Wow. And the wagons are evidence that I'm not enough. Right. And, and that would even be, that would be so hard for a four who happens to be also a, a one-on-one type. Oh and you gosh. might become envious of those other people. Yeah. Those alliances. This is turning into like a therapy session. Without your spouse there. <laughs> Without my spouse, yeah. Oh my god. It's couples yeah. therapy for one person. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she would approve of these realizations because they've definitely made things complicated right. for her. Well, for I mean, but here's yeah. the thing. The more you know the better off you are. I had a guy say to me the other day something amazing, right? He's a Episcopal priest, so, you know, uh, but a very smart guy, Jungian therapist. Yeah. He said, the only sin is unconsciousness. Wow. Now, a gross overstatement. Of course. But I get his point, right? Yeah. Like, the less you know and the less, the more deliberate you are about remaining self-ignorant. Wow. Like... The worse yeah. off you are and the worse you make the world because, you, wow. because you're just on autopilot. Yep. And you're, you're yep. just hurting yourself, other people. You're just locked in this robotic kind of reactivity that does, is no help to you or to anybody else. You're asleep. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I, you yeah. know, I think that you know, the more you know, and there's a lot to know from the Enneagram and to mm-hmm. absorb, you know, the more the more real estate you have to run around, you, you the, the more you know, the better off you are to yourself and other people. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yep. So anyway, I, you wow. know, I hope that's helpful for people. Yeah. That's, that instinct stack and then the different kinds of, of subtypes. All right. Can I ask a question on that? Yeah. Um, probably my favorite 
the most meaningful thing about the Enneagram is that it doesn't just label you, it offers you a path towards wholeness. So for those of us who are part of the sexual type, what is the invitation usually? Regardless of our, of our number. Right. Um, what, yeah, what is the step we can take, the practice we can take, maybe to bring it all the way, all the way back to a practice-based yeah, totally. Enneagram, Well, And right? I'm glad you're saying that because I think we were talking about this before we started. You know, I'm trying to communicate to people all the time. Look, it's, it's totally understandable that in the beginning when you learn your type that you think, oh my gosh, this explains so much about my past and it explains so right. much what's going on in the present. Not to mention all the other people whose types you've figured out and why they are the way they yeah. are. But you don't, right. most people just kind of stop there. Like yeah. that's all they really want to know. And, and what yeah. I'm trying to tell people is like, actually that's a that's not the right place that's just the beginning you know that's 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 where you start it's not where you should settle um the enneagram is a transformational tool that is designed actually to communicate to people that they're not their type that their type is actually a cover story it's a it's an unreal self that think of it this way it's like a persona that we adopt in childhood to keep us uh, alive, to get our needs met, and because kids immediately pick up very early on in life that who they really are isn't compatible or perfectly aligned with who the important people in their lives w- want them to be. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, you. Yep. You know, I picked that up, you picked it up. So, yep. Sure. So, what a kid does who needs to get their needs met. And, you know, their little ego that's all about survival steps in and says, you know, we got to amputate some parts of, mm. you know, of who you are. We got to recraft. We got to actually look into the eyes of parents, siblings, culture, and change who we are to accommodate and to adapt and to become the person they're pressuring us to be wow. in our peers. Like when you go to school, think about it. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, who do I got to be? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then layers and layers and layers. Okay, yeah. so when you were a little yep. kid, what was your like your number one talent that everybody gave you strokes for? Um, it would be music. Okay. It would be singing or something like right. that. So you would organize your identity around yep. that. It's like, yep. okay, well, let me create a persona who plays yeah. music. It doesn't mean you don't have the gift, okay? It's sure. not like the gift yep. is bad or, you know, I don't even yep. want to slam yep. the, the unreal self because you needed it. For a while, the problem yeah. is it doesn't go yeah. away unless you start to say, "Wait a minute, I don't think I'm who I think I am." You know, yeah. fours would feel that at age nine, but I think most <laughs> people feel it around four, around yeah. forty, okay. thirty-five, forty, when yep. they're like, "Kali, it's like this. I like I'm in Groundhog Day. It's like yeah. I'm doing the same stuff all the time, and somehow or another, it just doesn't feel real anymore. You've yeah. exhausted it. It's it yeah. it's played out, and then you start going on a search for your real self. Yeah, I hear I see it with people in therapy all the time. It's like, yeah, that's interesting. They got a spiritual malaise yep. or nausea, emotional nausea. They just don't they don't know who they are. Yeah. Like, who am I? Midlife crisis. Yep. Right. Yeah. Because in many ways, yep. your real self going knocking on the door of your unreal self going, I've been waiting to come out. Yeah. I need to, I wow. need you to know who I really am. I want to be in the world. Yep. Wow. And that's when you start deconstructing that unreal self, and that's what the Enneagram helps you do. Yeah. So 
Like, I hope people start to get that. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. So, yeah. you know, we, yeah. Yeah, we unconsciously create a yep. personality and a persona, a new and improved personality, because right. our real self's personality just didn't seem to jive with what everybody wanted from us. Yep. Yep. So uh, maybe I, I would wow. put it this way, and then we can. I'll, I'll answer your question. Um, actually, it's. I think the Enneagram reveals to you who you were before the world told you who you were supposed to be. Wow. Yep. And it starts by wow. telling you who you're not. Yeah. You know. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It just. You know. Yes. Okay. So here's the typical yes. persona. Yeah. Patterns of behavior, thinking, feeling, and acting that your persona yeah. uses or used from childhood to get around and survive. Yes. Oh, man. So, you know, this is like, yeah. the, like if you read Thomas Keating, I know you have, you know, the whole true self, yeah. false self thing. It's the same thing. Yep. Yep. So, yep. I mean, again, we... Plus, can I do a pitch for your show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> your first interview with Father Roar... Mm. He gets into this. The Enneagram showed me that everything I had ever done was for mixed motives. Oh, yeah. He talked about how um, the thing that had, had given me the most success in life was now souring my stomach. Yes. Like he had all, in like, thir- you know, one minute, he had all these phrases. You guys were talking about this. And I've listened to that four or five times. Yeah. yeah. Feels very resonant. So for a, for a sexual four, the the yeah. work is or the practices so you you know you have to move like all fours toward the virtue of equanimity which which yeah. is you know whatever life throws your way to respond re- respond not react but respond yeah. with emotional balance yeah that's you good know, with emotional balance uh, can you say that thing you said once about i am the mountain not the oh, yeah. weather system yeah well that really resonated with me as a four yeah so <laughs> what that means is you know um, think of like feelings as weather patterns, you know, like coming over Kilimanjaro yeah. and yeah. you know, here comes the rain, here comes the sun, here comes the, you know, the snow or whatever. Um, what fours tend to do is I attach themselves and identify themselves as weather patterns, the weather patterns of feelings. And then whatever feeling yep. they have is who they are. That is it. That is all of reality. Right. Yeah. In reality, I keep telling them is learn to recognize that you're the mountain. Yeah. And, you know, the and, and then as you get older, I would say work on finding out who the mountain of your real self is, of your, of your wow. real self, right? Yep, yep. So yep. For, for us, uh, for you, I think, well, particularly for a self-pres, or I mean a, a one-to-one subtype of a four, um, to uh, be with your own suffering without, without mm. needing to externalize it or project it out onto others. So good. Uh, and and you yeah. know um, to to really uh, grow by allowing yourself to contact any deeper pain beneath anger and envy that really needs to be felt. Because here's the deal about fours that I, I don't think I've ever said this on the show. Oftentimes, what fours are suffering about isn't what's really causing it the problems. It's actually, huh. a, it's almost like look underneath that suffering for where the real suffering is. The act, oh, wow. Yeah. Like it's almost yeah, like that's, that's, good. that's, that's, that's good. total like. We're one layer away from the actual thing. Bedrock. Yeah, it's like the first yeah. layer, it's camouflage. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? That's right. So back to what yeah. when we were talking about confession earlier and laughing about it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, like when, when you're taking hearing someone's confession, you often will say, they'll go through it all, and then the priest will say, is there something else? Wow. And then there'll be a pause. They'll say something. You go, is there something else? Wow. Because usually wow. there's one waiting down there that they haven't written down or been ready for. Yep. You know? Yep. So anyway. Wow. So this was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Right? Again, I feel like I just went to therapy. This is actually really helpful. Right. Well. Um, can I ask one just concrete question? And then, no, then please, we can, please remain know. abstract. <laughs> Stay abstract. So again, like I was kind of joking, like to bring the practice-based thing into the Enneagram, practice-based. Okay, what is a concrete practice that I can do to help me sit with my pain, sit with my anguish, sit with my disappointment, rather than externalize it? Mm -hmm. There's probably many, but has there been one in your life as a four or just one that you've seen with other one-to-one fours? Just a concrete thing that I can do tomorrow at 2 p.m., you know, rather than just hope I get more healthy. Yeah, keep, uh, become very aware of your projections. So when you okay. start criticizing other people, or let's say you're around somebody that really yeah. pisses you off. Yep. Or somebody yep. that, you know, whatever, pay attention to your projections. Oh, that's so good. Yep. Keep your eye on them. And then, you know, bring it back to yourself. Because what's happening with a, a one-to-one or a sexual four or any subtype, any sexual, right, is, you know, there's a lot of projection going on. And yeah. so I would just say, you know, pay attention to your projections. Yep. Okay. Um, and I, I recommend that to everybody in life. Because usually sure. you're just projecting yeah. some split-off part. Yeah, it's, it's, I know. It's a split-off piece of the shadow. Yep. And you're saying, yep. all right, you know, and then own it, explore it, and feel it for yourself. Don't make others suffer. You know, feel your own suffering. Yeah. Don't don't. Oh, it's so don't, good. Don't just throw it out on somebody else. Feel your own suffering. So yep. yeah, I think paying yep. attention to your own projections is a great practice. Oh. And yep. then welcome home and integrate that suffering back into your own life. Yeah, okay. that's what I'd say. Yeah. So, wow. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, brother, I'm glad you were on. Me too. Thanks so much. Pro- yeah. You know, we normally like to go 50 minutes, but for a four, I always go an hour and eight. <laughs> <laughs> Just can, can I ask a final question? Yeah. Was this the most special podcast episode you've ever had? Is it the most special? Oh, by two. <laughs> okay, good. It's twice as special yes. as any other for podcast. All the, good. For all the mathematical reasons <laughs> one might expect. Um, no, but I think, That's again, amazing. I think this whole topic of, of instincts and yeah. subtypes is... Like just one yeah. layer deeper and clearer for people to yep. understand themselves and to be better in the world. And I hope, you know, hope it brought some clarity to every single time. Yeah, you know? no, it's very, very helpful. Yeah. All right. I have, I have some work to best, do. Best yep. book on it, boy, I'll tell you, is Beatrice Chestnut's book. Read, read those sections okay. on subtypes. Um, I think yeah. she does okay. the best job of really teasing them out. And, uh, um, and maybe I'll have her back on just to do subtypes. Yeah, yeah, please. We'll kind of just like run through them all super fast. So, yeah. brother, thank you. I'm so I excited that. that. Thank you. Okay, so everybody, listen up. You need to go buy Aaron's new book, The Eternal Current, How a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning. It just dropped this week, and it's fantastic. I love it. 
Everybody, go get that book. Mm-hmm. Brother, my love to you, to Shauna, the kids. Indeed. And um, I admire you. You're a fine human. Wow. Glad, oh, man. glad you're Thanks my friend. Thanks so much. Me too. And my dear friends, remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. Talk soon, man. All right. Blessings. See ya.